0: So yes, the title of my message is all, all Kinds of Grace. And every once in a while I find myself confessing this uh, expression, it's all grace. It's all grace. Whether it's uh, our birth, our, our health, our family, our children, uh, where we live and um, how we came to be and uh, who we've become and where we're headed and the things in front of us and the things behind us. And, you know, we stand by grace. Grace. And I want to talk to you about the different facets of grace. And Pastor John mentioned that grace is unmerited favor. And there are many expressions of God's grace. You have been saved by grace. If you have called on the name of Jesus Christ, you have been saved by grace. And if you have not, you'll have an opportunity to receive tonight But go back and think of what it was like when you met Jesus, when you invited Jesus into your heart. Go back and think about the events that that led up to that moment and how all of those things conspired to bring you to a place, a point of decision where you finally said, I believe. It was by grace. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a loving home, a, a A home of discipline and values but we were not a church-going family Um, the Bible was there Uh, it sat on the shelf but I saw in my parents many attributes uh, that I see in the Bible and it made it easy for me to accept when my time came but my time did not come until I was 28 years of age I had been to church no more than a dozen times through through the years and at 28 years of age um, my testimony is, it might be a little bit different than some people. Um, I found Jesus when I was standing on the mountain, if you would say that. Um, I had come from a good family. I had now uh, finished graduate school. I was making really good money. I was excelling in my career, and all my relationships were healthy. And, uh, but I was waking up on Saturday mornings, and I was wondering... Why should I get up this morning? Now, I wasn't depressed, but there was a lack of fulfillment because all the things that I thought that I wanted in life, I had already attained, and I was still wanting. I kept thinking to myself, is that all there is to life? Is that all there is to this thing? And that began a a personal journey of, Of seeking God I even changed my passwords to seek God this was back when you could have simple passwords like seek God but that was my password and even that was a grace I don't know why I started thinking this way and at the time there was only one uh, Christian in my household or or in my family it was my cousin and my cousin began calling me over the phone and he began uh, walking me through uh, the book of Romans um, I don't know how he did it. He wasn't a theologian, but he took me through chapter by chapter. I mean, he he gave me a personal class in the book of Romans, and I sat through that night after night till midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. And we we would talk, and you know, I got to that point where some people get. I said, "Cause uh, enough. I understand. Um, I don't want to repent." I like my single lifestyle. I like what I'm doing. Um, I don't think we need to talk anymore. And I can say I rejected Christ very clearly. It was my decision. But God had a better plan. God has a better plan. As he had a better plan for me, he has a better plan for you. And about two weeks later after that, I was traveling in Texas fairly regularly. And I woke up in my hotel room at about three o'clock in the morning. And as I lay in bed, I I could see all these green uh, things in the room floating around. And um, I had no uh, training in the Bible, no understanding, except what I had just recently been told. Uh, Even before I had uh, heard about Romans, I didn't know Adam. I didn't know Eve. I didn't know Abraham. I was really uh, ignorant of the word of god and so uh, To say that there were demons in the room. I didn't even believe in demons I might have called them ghosts But what I did feel was that something was trying to kill me and it was holding me down And like a little boy wanting to cry out to his daddy. I wanted To cry for help a 28 year old man in good shape And I couldn't even get out of bed I could not move, and I could not speak. But then, I accept Jesus. And when I said that, this holy fire, and from the inside out, I began to repeat this expression, Banish these demons. Banish these demons. Banish these demons. There was this explosion from the inside out all around me, 360 degrees all around me, and obliterated the room. <laughs> By grace. Who uses the word banish? This is archaic. I mean, I would have to read the King James, the old King James to find the word "banish." Like, no one talks like that. How did I know to do that? Did I even have any teaching or understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire? I had just finished rejecting Christ. Cognitively, my mind, my will had said no to Jesus. And all of a sudden, boom, I accept Jesus. I didn't ask for the baptism. I didn't ask for the deliverance of demons. I didn't ask for fire. And I'm not even sure I asked for Jesus, but it came out of my mouth by grace. Boy, oh boy, we underestimate the grace of God at work in our lives. You know that it's God's nature His very nature is a gracious nature. He's a God of grace, a gracious God. Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9 says this, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. The Lord is gracious. It's an essential attribute Right next to holiness and love, right next to mercy, is grace. God is revealed in the Bible time and time again, Old Testament, New Testament, the law, the prophets, the wisdom literature. All through the Bible, he is revealed as the God of grace, a gracious God. With infinite measure, he has limitless supply. And the Lord is good to all. Over all his works and over all of his creation, the Lord is good to all. And so the first uh, kind of grace I want to tell you about is common grace. And that's the grace that God extends to all of his creation and all of his creatures, to all of mankind. Matthew 5.45 says this, and it was Jesus speaking. He makes, that is, God makes his sun shine on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Boy, it's been raining a lot lately, hasn't it? It's been raining on all of us, some more than others, but I can tell you the grass in my yard is green, 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 green. Praise God. Lots of rain makes green grass. But this is grace. I didn't water the lawn. It's green because God made it rain, and my neighbor's yard is green, and my neighbor's neighbor's yard is green, and the neighbor across the street is green, and the the one down the street is green. All the grass is green right now. This is common grace. God pours out his rain on the just and the unjust. It's grace because we didn't ask for it. It's just his nature to bless. He's a good God. He just wants to do it, and it comes from him, and that's why it's grace. It's, it's divine grace. It's common. It's available and given to everyone, whether we ask for it or not. Uh, you know, most of us got a stimulus check. That's, that, that's grace. Uh, you know, we live in a country where a government can issue paper and send you a check, For nothing but to sit at home because they told you to you know a lot of other countries they're not getting stimulus checks you know that's a grace that the government has extended but it's a grace by God given to our government being extended to you and me to receive something we don't deserve that's a grace The benefits of living here in the United States. As difficult as it feels at times, it's much better to live here than some other places. We didn't earn it. We didn't fight those wars. We we uh, weren't there in 1776. We weren't there during the Civil War. We didn't uh, plow that field. No, we're reaping the labors of those that have gone before us. And this, too, is a grace. Genesis 1.31 says, Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. God's creation is good, and all his works are good. A second kind of grace that I want to tell you about is saving grace. And this is the one we tend to think of when we think of grace. And that's the one we sung about, amazing grace. And it's amazing, and, and I'll explain why it's so amazing. But Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We are saved by grace and grace alone. It's a gift. God extends a gift to people, and like me, some of them say, I don't want it. And others say, I want it. I gotta have it. Nevertheless, it's a gift. We all know what it's like to receive gifts. We all know what it's like to receive gifts when we were young. And even as adults, we know what it's like to receive gifts. And at times, we may feel awkward receiving a gift, and in the awkwardness of the moment, we may feel compelled to give a gift back, or to pull something out of our our wallet and say, oh, no, that's too much. You spent too much money. You know, if God were to accept something like that from us, that would not be a gift, now would it? It would be an exchange. It would be a deal, and you would have gotten a bargain. But no, he gives this gift as extravagant and eternal and everlasting and magnificent as it is, freely of charge. You need not do anything except receive it By faith, can I get an amen? Amen. And that's what makes it amazing. Because as depraved as we were, as far away from God as we were, as immoral and neglectful and ignorant as we were, God chose to extend grace to each of us. Romans 3.20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. No one can stand before God and say, God, I'm good enough to get into heaven. I'm better than most. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't, you know, uh, I, I'm not in prison. I, you know, I've done this, I've done that. But who can stand before holy God and say, I deserve to be in your presence? How good would you have to be if you could earn your way to heaven? Now, um, there are a few people in here that know what it means to fail a test. Anybody? Ever taken an exam in school that you failed? Or am I the only one? Good, good. I got some hands. Very good. Well, um, I had the experience of taking college chemistry. And college chemistry was not too kind to Pastor Kevin. Not too kind at all. I was not accustomed to regularly failing exams. Not once or twice. Halfway through the semester, my average was a 55. That was a failing grade. Then I found out, and I did not know, that there was a curve. I found out, according to the curve, a 55 was a B. But if you could earn your way to heaven, God doesn't grade on a curve. Be perfect, because he is perfect. And the only one that can enter into his presence and say, I deserve to be here, is someone who is sinless. And his name is Jesus. For the rest of us, we come by grace, we come in humility. We we, we bow before the king and, and we say, Lord, I'm wretched, I'm undeserving, unworthy. Would you take me anyway? I'm not worthy, as John the Baptist said, even to tie your sandals. Like the Roman soldier that said, I'm not worthy that you would even come and visit my house. Just say the word of my servant will be healed. It's that kind of humility that God requires when we approach him. And God says, his word says, that he gives grace to the humble. You want more grace in your life? Humble yourself before the Almighty. Let me talk to you about a couple of kinds of graces that the Bible does not support. One is universal grace. This is a teaching that tells people that God is so good, you can do whatever you want, that universally, he's going to save everyone eventually without Jesus, with or without Jesus. He just saves everybody because he's so good. But they forget he's not a God of grace only. He's also a God of justice. He's a just God, and he must uphold his justice. He must punish sin. On the one hand, God loves us, and on the other hand, he is a just judge and this creates a problem for you and for me and God solved that problem in the person of Jesus Christ he took upon himself the penalty of the law that we may have life and have it everlasting you know Proverbs 14 12 says there is a way that seems right to the man but in the end leads to death universal grace seems right to some people but it leads to death Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. One way and one way only. And some people don't choose. And therefore, even though God universally invites everyone, not everyone universally accepts it. Therefore, not everyone makes it. Don't let the enemy deceive you, your family, and your friends. There's another teaching that we give a name, and that's called cheap grace. This is kind of similar to the first one, and that is that once you get saved, you can do whatever you want. You know, God's going to forgive me. It's okay. You know, I called on the name of Jesus. I prayed that prayer. I came to the altar that day. But uh, I can live like the devil, and uh, God will forgive me. You know, I can call on him and say, Lord, Lord, and, and then... You know, that's enough. But Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I ask you to do? I tell you the truth. They will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And I will say to you, Get away from me. I do not know you. No, grace is not cheap, it's immeasurable, it's expensive, it's priceless. We need to honor the gift that God gave us. You receive a gift, you don't just trash it, you don't trample it, you don't step on it, you don't throw it in the corner, you use it. You use it in the way that it was given, you use it in the way that it was intended. It's a gift with a particular purpose. Every gift has a purpose in it. God expects us to be responsible with that gift. So grace is not cheap, it's not universal. And as I said before, it's not earned. Some people think that we, we accept some grace from God, but we still also work our way into heaven. That we can, we can receive grace, but God also wants us to work our way into heaven. It's a grace plus works. It's an earned grace. But this, too, is, is deception. It's a manipulation You see, if we are saved by grace, our works will follow. If there really has been a regeneration, a transformation inside, it will produce fruit. So grace is not earned, it's not cheap, and it's not universal. That's saving grace. Now, here's one I want to share with you that you may not have heard, and it's called Prevenient Grace. Prevenient grace. Now, this word is spelled like the word convenient, but if you just strip off the con part and put the pre like pre like prefix or precede in front of it, but it's actually not pronounced uh, prevenient; it's previent. Now, this term means that divine grace precedes your human decision. God initiates a relationship with you and humankind before we ever sought and asked for it. 1 John 4, 10 and 19 says this, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. We love him because he first loved us. God initiated, God initiated, In your past, even before you came to Christ, was looking for you. He's still looking for you. But before you called on the name of Jesus, he was still at work behind the scenes. And at times, revealing himself that he loves you. For many Christians, they have an opportunity to kind of look back through the lens of faith and see, wow, God really was working in my life in these particular instances I can see that now their eyes are opened I had a similar experience you you may have had an experience like that but this one is kind of well nothing short of miraculous I was driving in a a heavy rainstorm traveling north on Williston Road in Gainesville one of the worst rainstorms uh, of the five years that I lived in Gainesville I was traveling 55 miles an hour, traveling north in a two-lane road, one lane on each side. It was dark out, lighting was poor, could barely see because of the lighting and because of the rain. The car in front of me came to a complete stop, and there were two or three cars in front of that one. And as I approached the car, I, I pressed on the brakes, and I pumped the brakes, and the car started to slide. It was hydroplaning. I tried to turn my, my wheel to the right to try to avoid it. I was pumping the brakes. Nothing was happening. My, my car was just going straight ahead, no reduction of speed. And all of a sudden, the hand of God, an angel, grabbed a hold of my wheel, turned my car to the left towards oncoming traffic, there was oncoming traffic, stopped vehicles, steered my car down the dotted line like a thread through a needle between these cars, and I came through to the other side. When I came up to the red light and I sat there, I remember saying this, now I know there is a God, but I don't know who He is. You know, for a person who knew nothing about the Bible at that moment, that was a very accurate statement. I was in a place at that time in my life where I was even doubting whether there was a God. But God wanted to show me that he existed. And he wanted to impress that upon me and impress upon me how much he loves me that He is willing to take control of my life momentarily to save my life. And to confess, I don't know you, who you are. That was a message from God that I would wake up to the idea, I need to find out who he is. I want to say to you online or someone here in this room, if you don't know who God is, you can find out today. You can find out today. Make sure you find out today. Don't leave this service until you meet God, until you know who Jesus is. The Bible does not support another kind of grace, and this is sometimes called free grace. Now, there's a play on words here, because saving grace, as I described earlier, is free. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But when people talk about free grace, what they mean is, is that you're free to do whatever you want. Some people say, and you've heard this, once saved, always saved. Or in some places, they call it the perseverance of the saints, Boy, this is is the kind of teaching that can lead people down the wrong path. The Bible tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We receive, now we have responsibility. To whom much is given, much is expected. We cannot just trample the gift of God. In fact, Hebrews warns this very clearly, and I want to read this from the English Standard Version, which, according to most scholars, is the best translation in the Greek in the, for the New Testament. And I like this translation because it doesn't mix or mince words with us. It's very clear. Hebrews 6, 4 to 6. For it is impossible... Why would the Bible warn us? Why would the Bible warn us that we could fall away if it's not possible? This verse tells us very clearly it's not possible to come back to Jesus if you reject him wholly and totally and finally. Now, the Bible is very clear that God is so invested in you, he will make it so difficult for you to reject him. If you've, if you've put Christ in your life. He'll always keep taking you back. You, you can keep saying I'm sorry. A hundred times. Five hundred times. A thousand times and more. He'll keep coming back. But you have to keep coming back. And if there ever was a person. That at some point decided. They never wanted to come back. God honors their free will. It's possible albeit very hard, because the Father loves his children. You know, the Bible says that uh, those that have been appointed to the Father, no one can take them out of his hand. The devil can't. Your family can't. Your spouse can't. Your children can't. The drugs can't. The addictions can't. But the one thing that can is you. You can tell the the Holy Spirit to let go. You can tell the Father, let me be. He won't want to, but he'll, he'll let you go. God doesn't want you running around, getting worried about losing your faith. No, no, no. God wants you walking in confidence and reassurance that you are saved. But every once in a while, when we slip into sin we can start doubting whether we're saved or not. I hope this never happens to you, but from time to time I talk with Christians, I talk with people where they say, I'm just not really sure anymore. I'm not really sure what I believe. Well, you know where that comes from? It comes from a lack of faith. It comes maybe from some sin in their life. And God may allow those doubts to happen so that the fear of God would strike your heart leading you back to repentance so that you may call and ask for forgiveness one more time. Yes, amen. I'll talk to you you now about two expressions in the Bible of grace. And the first three and all the ones that I mentioned, these are documented. These are historical doctrine uh, through the ages of the church. Now, the two I want to share with you, I'm not trying to create a new doctrine or a new teaching, but it is something I observe in the scripture. And so I have to give it a name, and one of them is specific grace. Specific grace. And specific grace is the grace that God shows towards an individual for a specific purpose and plan that God has for their life. Some biblical examples would be David, Joseph, the Apostle Paul, and even the original 12 disciples. You know, God chose Joseph for that purpose. God chose David to be king of Israel. God chose, for a specific purpose, the Apostle Paul to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Now, Paul, he might have wanted to be an apostle to the Jews, but God chose Peter for the specific calling of being an apostle to the Jews. Now, Paul could have said, Look, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I studied under Gamaliel. I have all the right credentials and pedigree to be an apostle to the Jews. I should be the apostle to the Jews, Lord. But God said, no, I have given you a specific task and I want you to be an apostle to the Gentiles. God has grace in your life for the things that he has called you to do specifically, uniquely. And we're not just talking about ministry here. You might find yourself in a situation that maybe you didn't ask for or that you didn't want. But God says, I give you the grace that you need. I give you the grace for your situation. I will give you the grace specifically, uniquely for you in your circumstances, for your calling. You know that God has chosen each of you, generally and specifically, generally and specifically. I'm going to read from John 15, 16, and this is Jesus speaking. He said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. He's talking to the 12 disciples, but other people are listening, and other people are listening now. So this scripture applied to the 12 disciples. It applied to those that overheard him when he was alive and those that are listening now through the ages. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Generally, we have been given grace to specifically do what? To bear fruit. And specifically to do the things that God has called you to do that he hasn't called you to do that he hasn't called you or you or you to do but for you to do. This is the call of God on your life, and everyone has a call of God on their life. God is asking certain things, specific things from each of us, and he gives you the grace to do it. Um, My testimony is a little blurry. Um, At 28, I wasn't saved. I met Jesus, and uh, as I mentioned, God had made me very successful, and I didn't know that it was God. And I started to believe my own press that there were reasons about why I'm doing so well. And God took that hand of grace off of my life. I was making a lot of money in three years. And all the money that I made in three years, I lost it in two years because I couldn't get a job. And I lost half of it in the stock market. I went from 250k in the bank to zero in two years he took it all away from me he took his hand off of my life then God called me into ministry and that was a specific calling and he put that anointing on my life the grace that God has for you can change with your assignment Romans twelve six says having then gifts differing according to the grace that God has given you let us use them If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. God has specifically gifted each of us differently. We're not just talking about spiritual gifts. They could be natural gifts. They could be talents. Things that were born in you, things that you developed, things that you acquired, certain skills or whatever. Um, I have this bat here, and I don't know if you played baseball, um, but I played baseball. I I played Little League, and that's as far as I got because... I wasn't very good at baseball. In fact, three years of Little League Baseball, um, the first two years, I never got a legitimate hit. I never actually earned a a spot on first base. I might have walked, I might have gotten hit, and that's the only reason I got the first base. Uh, Third year came around, and all of a sudden puberty kicked in. I started hitting balls left and right. It was great, loved it. But I was never really good at hitting. Man, I could pitch. I could throw, I could catch, I knew the game, the rules, but I just could not swing this bat and make contact with the ball. You know that this bat has a sweet spot on it? It's about here. It's right about here in the center, and it's kind of long. And if you want to hit a home run, if you want to hit that ball far, you've got to hit the sweet spot. Got to hit the sweet spot. Now, the thing is, baseball is not just about bats, there's a ball. And this ball represents God's assignment or task in your life. And this ball also has a sweet spot. To hit that ball far, hit it over the fence, you've got to make the sweet spot of your skills your talents, your giftings that God has given you and hit the sweet spot of that assignment. And you've got to lean into it. What's God calling you to do? You've got to lean into it. You've got to find your sweet spot. You've got to look at that task again. You've got to look at that assignment again. You got to find that sweet spot. You got to study it. You got to watch that assignment come. You got to study it, watch it come, watch the threads on it. And when it comes, when your time comes, you got to hit that sweet spot with all your might. And then you will see the manifest grace of God. You will see something miraculous happen. You will see a home run in your life when you match your assignment and your skill. By the grace of God, tremendous, awesome, mighty, glorious things will happen in your life. And that's manifest grace. That's the last thing I wanted to share as I close is that manifest grace is that clear and obvious grace that is operating in people's lives. There are some Christians, you just, you just see them pass from week to week and month to month, or, or you just kind of know like, there's a grace on that person's life, like God is with that person. That's the kind of testimony God wants you to have, that people say, that is a woman of God, that's a man of God. Like whatever whatever he prays, God answers. Whatever she does, she prospers. Clear and obvious evidence of God at work. You are called to manifest the grace of God in this world. Matthew 6, 9, and 10 from the Passion Translation is the Lord's Prayer, but it reads this way in the Passion. Our Father dwelling in heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center of which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is fulfilled in heaven. I say to you, brother and sister, go manifest the kingdom of God. Pray that the Father would manifest the kingdom of God through you. It's our calling. You can, you will, we should. It's happening. It's happening. Even now, the kingdom is being manifested in you. God wants to manifest his grace in you and then through you. John, 1 John 2 says this, picking up on verse 5 and then 8 and 9, it says, But the love of God will be perfected within the one who obeys God's word. Yet, in a sense, it is a new commandment as its truth is made manifest in Christ and in you. Because darkness is disappearing and the true light is already blazing. Anyone who says, I am in the light, while holding hatred in his heart, to his fellow believer is still in darkness. God is manifesting his kingdom in us inwardly and then outwardly. When we obey the Lord, when we obey his word, when we step out into love and in faith, when we embrace truth in our life, it manifests within us first and it overflows and carries out into this world so that it becomes the light to the world. God has called you to manifest the kingdom of God as it manifests in you. You won't have to work too hard at it. It will just manifest because that's God's nature. It will come out. It will just come out of you. As I close, I'll just remind you from this last verse here is darkness is disappearing and light is ablazing. we are not deceived your eyes are open you're seeing through the deception and the darkness true light is passing through all the things that we're hearing and reading and people are saying and hatred is passing away because god has shed the love of god by the grace of god in our hearts May God pour out more love on his children that we may manifest the kingdom dispelling darkness and deception so that the light of Christ would ablaze across this world and this country that people would come to know Christ again that they would bend on their knees and sing a new song Amazing Grace this country again I believe we'll sing Amazing Grace. We will sing it again. I'm going to ask Pastor John to close us. And I want to invite you, if you've never placed Jesus in your life, if you've never accepted Christ into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. It's very simple, and I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud, and those that of you that are here with us, if you've done this before, I want you to pray with us. But I'm going to recite a prayer, and if, if this is you, don't miss your opportunity. We don't know what will happen when you leave or tomorrow. You don't know. Today is the day of salvation, very online. If you've not put Christ in your heart, if you've not asked him into your heart, if you've not accepted him by grace, let's do it right now. Let's do it together. Pray with me. Father, I ask that you would forgive us of our sins. Repeat after me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I know that you died on the cross for me, Jesus. I know that you're coming again. Wash me, cleanse me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In your Son's name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd like you to text the keyword saved to the number on the screen, 407-275-8790. And as Pastor John closes, if you would like personal prayer, if you would like to know what your calling is, if you'd like the king to be manifested in your life, we're going to have some people up here to pray for you. So as we close, feel the freedom to be dismissed or to come forward for prayer. God bless you. Savior has ransomed me and like love. His mercy reigns unending. Love amazing grace. One more time, let's say, my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ would be with you and with your families that as we leave this time together that he would continue to minister to you we're so thankful for how He's spoken to our hearts today and we pray in Jesus name that we would carry each and every one of these words with us as we navigate every moment of our lives knowing that there's grace on us and in us to see it through we love you Lord Jesus and we bless you In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. We're so thankful that you were here with us tonight. Please don't forget, if you accepted Christ tonight, to to text the number that's on your screen, and we will see you all again. These altars are open for you if you'd like to have prayer this evening. Otherwise, take care.